Hello and welcome to another episode of We in God Know podcast. It is the 7th of May and the 6th, well, okay, the 5th was a very good day for myself and my co-host, as always, Jimmy Funnel. How are you feeling? Hi, Ram. Hi, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, ecstatic. Eh? Uh, it's, it's been able to sink in after a day. Yeah. Um, we've got already big games ahead of us again, so there's no time to really um, be overjoyous and, you know, just relax. There's no relaxing uh, <laughs> for Chelsea fans and for Chelsea, of course, Yeah. Um, during this very busy period. So, fantastic win over Real Madrid, which we will be focusing on today. But, you know, there's no time to rest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we're obviously talking about the fact that Chelsea have beaten Real Madrid in a very comprehensive manner. Um, the Champions League semi van, the first one that we've had since 2012, wasn't it? Uh, first one since um, Barcelona. 2014, actually. Oh. We played against Atletico Madrid in Oh, in that was a semi, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, 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 it was. yeah. It's forgotten right. because it was awful. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible, wasn't it? Was that the one where Aspilicueta was right, right winger? If I'm not mistaken, yes. Yeah, I, I feel so. like it was. Josie <laughs> did put him there, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I have seems like I've completely erased it from my memory, <laughs> apart from that one detail. So pardon me for that, listeners. But an uncan- uncanny similarity between that semi-final and this one was Aspilicueta was the right-sided midfielder in both of them uh, so it's obviously a very different time from 2012 and even 2014 but I have to say I'm, I was very proud of the way Chelsea played it's just I don't know Jimmy, we, we were coming into this game with um, I mean we were cautiously optimistic because Chelsea are proving to be horribly difficult to beat now but yeah did you expect it to be that easy? Because I thought it was really easy. Well, I mean, the first leg yeah. wasn't as easy as you thought because that that one goal that we conceded from Benzema, yeah. Yeah. even though I have to explicitly state here, before the ball was headed down to him, one of our plays was was fouled. So it shouldn't have actually counted. I'm going to just be completely open about that. Um Mm-hmm. But you know the finish was phenomenal. That that Benzema, you know whether he's the go kart or not, he's got a very classy finish in him. And if we would have had him as our striker, he'd probably have won. I don't know, with an aggregate of six or seven to nil. Yet we don't. And um, that first game was difficult. You know, Real Madrid weren't as good as they have been. They were a shadow of themselves. But they showed yeah. that as any great great team can, they'll just, you know, get a goal out of nowhere. That's what makes good teams, even if they're playing poorly. So the expectation was in the return leg, as, mm-hmm. as you were implying here. You know, you did expect it to be a big game and they just didn't turn up I mean there were yeah. two great saves by Mondi but that was it you know, it was it was nearly too easy now the question that can be asked here and I'll of course ask you here mm-hmm. <laughs> was it because we were that good or was it because Raul were that bad <laughs> yeah uh, honestly I think Real were bad but I think we were really good like I think we approached it with a certain game plan and executed that almost to perfection, to be honest. Um, I think we came very prepared for what sort of what sort of um, build-up patterns Real were going to implement because I noticed that their, that their attackers liked to receive it just beyond the halfway line and then yeah. play on the turn from there. And... I thought that we did an excellent job with pressing to cut out those passing lanes in the first half. Um, especially, and and um, I will I will give credit to him for doing 
Well, when you usually talk about this player in this context, it's not usually for that kind of defensive work. But I think Andreas Christensen playing, um, he he occupied that that area of the pitch really well. So he kind of pressed higher and cut out a lot of passing lines and made life difficult for um, for the player for the players on the left very effectively. I thought he was. Mm. I thought that was an excellent excellent game from him and a big redemption arc to be honest because you know arguably we could have progressed to or we could have had another deep round in the competition um, unless Christensen hadn't messed up against Barcelona um, the last time after which his confidence was famously shot for a very long time so I think he kind of things kind of came full circle and he redeemed himself really well in that way so I think for one, we definitely got our pressing structure on point. It was perfect. And I think, uh, well, I think a number of our attacking players had really good games along with along with N'Golo Kante. So while I think our game was not focused around having possession of the ball for a change, yeah. because obviously we've seen, we've seen Tuchel likes um, the use of defensive position possession as a as a defense mechanism but mm. i think we were quite content to have real madrid come at us and then really hit them on the transition so while our out of possession game was really robust we let the attackers do their thing um in transition and they did it really well because i think when you have mount Havertz and warner attacking a team in transition then mm. that's a very very deadly trio to have and well, speaking of Havertz, how did you, how did you rate this <laughs> game? Well, I mean, <sighs> blimey, uh, <laughs> I was actually speaking with a very good friend of mine who's, uh, well, forgive him, he's a Bayern Munich fan, um, but he is one of the most knowledgeable people about football, and he mm-hmm. uh, watches Bundesliga even more than me, you know, like, every game and yeah. uh, he rewatched, for example just because of the Bundesliga plays he rewatched uh Chelsea's game against Madrid because he's very much interested in in Havertz uh Bern and of course Tuchel's tactics mm-hmm. and so it's always very insightful to hear what he thinks about players and from the start you know initially I was very excited about Havertz because he's a he was one of the biggest talents last summer on the market yet you know, there was always this this reservation, you know, do we really need him? And let's be honest, if we did invested the money in a in a position that we really needed, I think we would have been okay with that as well. Yet I think the fruits of this investate of this investment um are just becoming apparent and from the start this friend of mine he told me about his silky touch, about how Havertz on his day when he's confident he just becomes unplayable and while we've had some phases of Kai this season where he's been showing glimpses of why he's been lauded as one of Europe's greatest attacking talents um, despite his age (sighs) certain factors came into play which just um, hindered that you know Barnsley great but it was in in the cup game and covid of course knocked him back immensely there and it just seemed and especially in the first few months that he just wasn't up for it physically you know one was worried will he be able to you know acclimatize to this league and in recent times and correct me if i'm wrong ram Mm-hmm. He just doesn't show that anymore. He seems very comfortable. He's able to keep up physically. Maybe he's bulked up. I haven't really looked at that yet. But yeah. um, he just he's able to hold his own. He's able to retain the ball. You know, his hold-up play is good. He's really good with his head. He's physical. Mm-hmm. And the guy glides past players. I mean, he nutmegged two Real players, <laughs> left them for dead. He was phenomenal. And already against Fulham, where he scored two great goals, Especially that second, uh, though the first one, Mason Mount's touch, just, you know, yeah. on a side note. Yeah. <laughs> How beautiful. What a special boy. Um, but, you know, he's he's slowly getting into this groove where 
I think it will also be interesting to later on cover, you know, striker apparently our main focus this summer. You know, mm-hmm. will he be able to step up and really be our centre forward? Not a false nine. He's not false nine anymore. He's centre no. forward and he showed that. Yeah. And so, yeah, overall, you know, this guy, all the hype that he had from the Bundesliga and people that who watched him regularly in the Bundesliga were attributing to him, it's all true. Like, like Han Solo said in episode seven about the Jedi, it's all true. You know, the stories are all true. You know, it's, it's really the case. And he's, I think this is the start of something very special. And next season, this guy is going to be unstoppable. And that silky touch, dear God. I mean, I've rarely seen something quite like it, you know. I'm, I've been waffling here now, but this, I'm quite in love with with Kai Havertz and the guy's coolness himself. Yeah. So that, those are my thoughts on Kai Havertz. And he just made Real Madrid seem like his play toy at times. What did you think? Yeah. Uh, he was actually, I think that was the best game he's played for Chelsea. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, he just looked to have a lot of space whenever he received the ball, it was, well, you, you would kind of see that, um, that, you know, Havertz was the kind of player mm. who could thrive off, um, I don't know, these, these silky actions and one-touch passes and, you know, receiving on the turn, things like mm. that. But then he just, it's kind of, it's like he took those same actions to the next level and performed all of them, but just in a lot more effective manner. And he was actually great at finding space in behind too. So there were, there were a lot of, a lot of really promising dimensions to his play. And I think it kind of cements, uh, well, not cements, but probably strengthens the case for Kaya Havertz to play mm. more regularly as a striker. And while I'm not sure what that means for Tammy Abraham, that's, I'm guessing that might be a reason why Tammy Abraham's looking likely to leave. But we were all speculating over what Harvard's best position might be. And I think we're kind of close to finding it, to be honest. And to have, um, even, even to have someone like, if you've got Warner and Harvard's mm. hitting, hitting the space in behind and acting as kind of, wider focal points with someone like Mount behind them who's suddenly turned into a creative demon then yeah I just think that's looking very promising I think um, Havertz showed us something different about his game in addition to showing us or reinforcing what he does really well too so I loved it honestly I just loved watching our front three because uh, they were they, they were they were spotless and they were giving uh, Real's very qualified defense quite the runaround on the day. So I love that honestly. No, no you, wait, you say, spotless yeah. Ram. <laughs> spotless. Oh. Not sure that was spotless. I think that's something that we should address as well. I, I, I you know what we're going to talk about. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what can you say? Uh, it's. Assuming we're talking about Werner. <laughs> well, not only uh, Werner. I mean, Mason Mount squandered a chance. Kai Havertz oh, had well, that one chance. And Golo Conte yeah. had that chance, although he might be forgiven the most of them. Yeah, well, I mean, I know we, we, should, have, we should have won the game by a lot more. But I, I think it's... I, I feel like that was more of a one-off, to be honest, because in, usually usually the bulk of the chances are usually fall, falling to... Warner, he's usually on the end of most of the chances that we create in a game, and he's missing them a lot. So I think, apart from just Warner, um, the fact that a lot of players got on the end of different chances in itself was a promising thing. Um, Not sure if you'd agree with that, but I think that shows that we're doing something right, and we're not just dependent on one player to be on the end of chances, especially when that player is... uh, one so would you would you say that's more of a silver lining to take even though we were we were horrendous in front of cola i will not deny that 
Just a win I mean, for the processes and the, the patterns of play, do you think? Well, yes. Def- I mean, look, <laughs> there have been a lot of people that were, you know, once it sunk in and we were all happy. And I mean, I had tears in my eyes, I'll be completely honest. The same when Fernando Torres rounded the Valdez, though I think back <laughs> then it was even, I was even more emotional then because it was just been, I mean, that game was an it, saying it was an emotional roller coaster would be an understatement you know this game was also very on edge uh, but it, we always as you already mentioned we always were in control even though we you know we were there's this 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 afterthought of oh will we rue all the chances we missed you know real madrid can do that but thankfully they didn't turn up at all but um nevertheless you know it's just just tears of happiness and it was fantastic but once that had sunk in, people did yeah. realize, and also like Jason Cundy on TalkSport and so on, um, you know, we made it life, and this is a Chelsea thing, we made life mm. much more difficult than it had to be for ourselves. And, mm. you know, at the very least, you'd expect my Mason Mount to get that on target, you know, properly yeah. on target, and work the goalkeeper. But, you know, it's a Champions League semi-final and I get that nerves play the part. But this is the thing. If we would normally be fine with our chances, you know, if we'd be more clinical, um, then that would be okay. You know, it's a semi-final. Nerves play, come into play, of course. You'll squander a few chances. But this is something that is continually being a problem for us. And, yeah, so... (laughs) Up until now, it hasn't really cost us because we've, we've always won, which is fantastic. That's what actually uh, a title-winning team does. Um, but, you know, the games that we've got ahead now, we've got six finals ahead. And six finals, with two of them being real finals, of course, um, you can't do that. You know, I think most yeah. of the fan base will have heart attacks throughout that run. And I agree with you, though, that this might be like a springboard for the, this team to finally get their act together and actually, um, you know, bury these chances. I hope you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah well, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping so. When you talk about finishing itself, I feel like it's uh, it's just a part of the game that falls prey to variance the most as compared to other actions on the pitch. So I'm, I'm just hoping that this is not a signal of things to come, that even when chances are falling, I mean, falling into a bunch of different players, then they keep missing it because that wouldn't be good, especially in the Champions League final. But yeah, well, that's me being optimistic. I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see in the remaining games of the season and uh, hopefully in the Champions League final we'll be proved uh, we'll be proved right. So that was one thing. And another thing I wanted to get your opinion on was did you... I mean, there seemed to be a lot of... Uh, not a lot, but some furor over mm. Christian Pulisic not starting. I'm not sure if that, <laughs> that... I'm pretty sure that you weren't expecting me to say that. But then, when Pulisic didn't start, I was just a lot of, well, how was Pulisic starting? He had such a lo- good game last time out. Yeah. And w- were you expecting that? Or were you just expecting Tuchel to revert to mean with uh, with Mount Havertz and whatnot? Because I was expecting that. I didn't expect Pulisic to start at all. Um, That's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean... <laughs> Theoretically, if we're talking about um, the community, for example, the community lineup and my preferred lineup, we, I think everyone agreed that Christian Pulisic should, should start, or mostly, <laughs> um, because he quite clearly caused Rao a lot of problems with his goal. Yeah. You know, he he was the only one who was able to score uh, in yeah. in Spain, and. Um, he has been very, well, arguably the most clinical player we've had over the past, I don't know, five or six games. So 
I was surprised. You know, Team of Air, everyone was writing on social media. We went, oh, my God, please, please just bury it. And I think Team of Air will have said, probably said the same to himself before the game. And um, him scoring that, that was extremely satisfying. And, yeah, I think, you know, he Thomas Tuchel, he, he was, you know, that... that um, Werner scoring that goal that rectified or justified his selection um, he was there when he needed to be I don't know if Christian Pulisic would have been in that central position you never know um, but the thing is Thomas Tuchel deserves to be trusted with the decisions he's made he has not really had well okay that, let's bar the Brighton game okay because even against West Brom, I wouldn't even put that on Thomas Tuchel. You know, that was a freak freak game. Yeah. Yeah. We were down to 10 men. Uh, I can't really put that too much on Tuchel. But that Brighton game was the only game where I said, wow, come on, you, you got things wrong here. Um, but every time he makes a decision, he just shows you why he did it. And, it, it, you know, we win the games or we, at worst, keep a clean sheet. So... It's ludicrous to really, um, you know, uh, give him a hard time for dropping Christian Pulisic. He saw, or I think he even explained himself, which is quite curious because not a lot of managers always explain themselves before or after a game about their selections. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least not as much as this has been happening with Tuchel. Um, but, you know, he doesn't pick out, and I, th- I think this is quite key he doesn't pick out 11 his strongest 11 because just because they're the strongest players he actually um fields 11 players where he thinks they have the best chance of breaking down the team or winning a game after Mm. studying extensively uh about some whatever opponent real madrid um of course being the case most recently so you know that's that's fine I, i have no problem with him i trust him I mean, I, I'm I'm guessing you'd say the same, right? Yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, um, apart from the biggest problems I've had with Tuchel's team selection are the lack of Tammy Abraham and Callum Hudson. Right. right. And I will never not be mad at that. But apart from that, he's got it pretty spot on, to be fair. Um, <laughs> I, I, I did have major issues with growing up like over Abraham for a while, but... But yeah, apart from that, I can't I can't really argue with any of the decisions that Tuchel has made because they've usually worked out. There's yeah. really no sample to say that this has gone really wrong. So I mean, it's fine. Uh, one, I mean, you could easily make a case for Pulisic or Tuchel anticipating the sort of situation to bring Pulisic into, and it clearly worked a charm because once once Real had to even slightly go on the attack and that was always going to be the case i mean if we were in there until um about 60 65 minutes real madrid would have to really step it up because they would have gone out on away goals if this had ended in a draw in a goalless draw so it could well be that tuchel just anticipated the situation and thought he'd use pulisic that way because Getting Pulisic on against a team that's going to leave a lot of spaces in behind is just, it's its going to be incredibly effective. And it was. So, yeah, no no complaints from me, really. I kind of I kind of thought that might be his thinking when I didn't see Pulisic in the starting lineup. And it worked, so no complaints, really. Well, yeah. we'll take a short break now and we'll return with some more talking points. Welcome back uh, to We Ain't Got No Podcast. Now, before we move on to the next topic, uh, there is one more point that we have to speak about after that game mm-hmm. against Real Madrid, and that was just standout performers. Now, of course, we could just lord the entire team. Everyone deserves a shout-out for how they played. It doesn't matter if Real Madrid wasn't as dominant as they have been in the past. For me, there's always going to be this, this, this at least this spark of we were just that good and we were just that good. And there's so many players that played phenomenally. And I think while we will talk about a few, like for example, 
<laughs> uh, it has to be said, you know, Jorginho, who has had a lot of criticism in the past, right, Ram? We, we know yeah. the odd person um, <laughs> who hasn't been too happy with him. I've been yeah. reading a lot of comments and tweets on Twitter now saying, you know, even from the most hardcore people that were against him, you know, credit where credit's due. He has mm. not put a, a foot wrong in the fast two games. And even his harshest critic must acknowledge what kind of a role, what kind of a vital role he's been playing in these knockout stages. He's pulling tackles. He's He covered next to Havertz and Kante. And Havertz was actually the most... He covered the most ground uh, against Real Madrid, which is quite remarkable, even ahead of Kante. It was Jorginho. Everyone says he's so slow, he doesn't run. BS. He ran his sucks off. And when and that picture after full time where he was just on his knees and you saw how much it meant to him with the captain's armband around his, uh, his, his arm, that is, that was just a sight to behold, you know. He's been through so much. He's had to deal with so much crud. Yet he gives it his all for this club and put some respect on this man. He was phenomenal against Real Madrid. He dictated play. He, there was even that one chance where Madrid could have really threatened Chelsea, one of the few, and he intercepted. Bam. Not with Jorginho. He was phenomenal. Yeah. I just had to say that. And... Of course, the man who was the one-man show, one could even argue. I'll give that over to you, Ram. But put some respect on Jorginho. Be a man or be men. Yeah, there are players that you don't always like, but credit where credit's due. He's been as much Chelsea as anyone, if not more. Yeah, credit where credit's due is very true. And uh, honestly, I think... The next one that we're going to talk about is it has to be Goro Conte, and he was oh, yeah. just he was phenomenal. I think this was when we talk about this being Harvard's best game in a Chelsea shirt. I think this was right up there for Goro Conte as well. And that's five years, almost five years since he signed for our club. And I just, you know, it's it's matches like these when I realize how lucky we are to have a midfielder that can actually. I don't know, enable us to, or allow us to not be that concerned about gaping holes in the midfield all the time. And when he leaves, I know we're going to have a hard time compensating for what he brings to the table because he's just, he's a phenomenal midfielder. And I think when people talk about Kevin De Bruyne, we talk about De Bruyne um, up there with the midfield crates football. I think N'Golo Conte should really be given the same sort of respect. He is genuinely a world-class player. And I think he has shown it when it's mattered most this season, even despite injuries and everything, which, frankly, I don't think were down to him. He had just been badly managed, and his form has suffered a little bit because of that. But I think something that Tuchel has done really well has managed Conte's minutes, and it's showing and what we saw was N'Golo Conte at his best. And I think it's hugely important to mention that he is not just a midfielder that wins the possession of the ball back. He's a very capable midfielder on, on the ball. I don't think this is something that needs to be said, because, but I feel as if it's overlooked for uh, the wrong reasons, unfortunately. But I think he is an excellent player on the ball as well. And... The way he created that first goal almost on his own was a testament to that, in my opinion. It was just, yeah, mm. I think I think I'm really going to miss N'Golo Kante when he was gone. It feels like five years have flown by that he's been at Chelsea. Like, it doesn't feel like five whole years that long a time. But, yeah, it, it's just it's been a privilege to have him, really. And I was, I was just sat there after the match thinking about this for a while, you know. So... Yeah, not, 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 nothing more to say really on on Golo Conte. And I, I also we thought... We are just blessed. Yeah, I think we are. That, that's, it's just as easy as that to say yeah. that. We're just yeah. blessed. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, and maybe maybe a word for Edward Mendy as well. 
I think he oh, really, God, yeah. he really came through. Uh, when uh, I mean, listen, I haven't watched Karim Benzema play football in a very long time because I I don't watch Real Madrid matches out of choice. Uh, but Benzema genuinely looked really good in the first half, and he could have easily scored a couple of goals on another day. And I think that Mendy really proved his worth again. Uh, showed why we brought him in in the first place and why he would be able to compete with anyone else that we bring in, really, even if we do end up bringing in someone else um, this season. I think we're going to end up yeah. with two very, very strong goalkeepers. Even though he, he's not the most high-profile signing, I think he's done really well this season. And to show it in this kind of game was just excellent. So uh, let's, yeah. let's not forget, if that, that Benzema strike, which yeah. was curling right in the corner... Yeah, you know, I think I think Kepa, you know, people hate on him a lot, and I also had phases where I said, "My God, how can you not keep them out?" But I was never, you know, as one should be, one was never abusive. Take a note, Twitter. Um, <laughs> but he's been great the last few games, Kepa. But I don't think he would have been able to keep that out like a lot of other keepers. That was a world class save. World class, the, the term world-class save is thrown around a lot, as is world-class player, blah, blah, blah. Nowadays, it's just, you know, everything's easily, rolls easily off the lips nowadays. But that really was a world-class save. All the circumstances yeah. surrounding it, Benzema just being who he is, and the magnitude of the moment. You know, Chelsea were on the back foot in that first half, um, even though we had some you know, some chances because Real Madrid, well, back foot maybe is a bit much, but, you know, Madrid did have 20 minutes where they were dominating possession. We had like 30% possession and, um, you know, they had the odd chance. And if Mendy wouldn't have kept that out, this game could have been completely different because, you know, this might not be the Madrid team of old, but I'm pretty sure that as an experience as we are at this stage in Europe, if we would have conceded, I'm not saying that we would have, you know, dropped our heads, but you you cannot foresee what would have happened. It might have given Madrid a complete spike of confidence, and they might have really dominated us further into the second half. You know, so I can't uh, emphasize enough how integral and how vital that save was, and how good it was. Eduardo Mendes. Arguably the dark horse for signing of the season. Now, yeah. If, okay. if you're seeing how much he cost and how much he's given back, blimey. Yeah, good shot. Honestly, good shot. Um, so that kind of wraps up our discussion on the match, which was still, I'm honestly just smiling, thinking about it, to be honest. But <laughs> in another yeah. final. Um, oh, good. But I think at the same time, it's equally important for us to mention that arguably the better Chelsea team, which is the women's team, has also reached the Champions League final. The women, yeah. they, they, they won 4-1 against Bayern Munich women um, five days ago. Uh, so days, a couple yeah. of days before uh, the Chelsea men ended up following suit. And that was, Jimmy, that was a crazy game. I watched it and... It, it was really, it was all happening. So mm. Chelsea, Chelsea went into the game. Uh, they were down. They were 1-2 down. And they, they ended up having, just having to win, really. And it was, well, there were some very interesting goals on show. Uh, for example, the goal that sent Chelsea up. So when, when, they, when they actually took the lead... Uh, and went up to one. That was G, kind of poking it into the net in a very, mm. very interesting. Yeah, that, that was insanely well placed. It was like, um, you know, it was like the one out of a thousand ball trajectories that would end up in the back of the net ended up being that one. Um, so, and and Bayern Munich were actually, I think the scoreline was, well. Chelsea were excellent, but then Bayern Munich did trouble us late on, I felt. Uh, especially the last the last 10, 15 minutes. Especially the last 10 minutes. Um, Bayern Munich came eerily close to scoring from a corner. And, and there was 
there was a there was this period where our, I don't know the ball seemed to linger around the penalty area for like 15-20 seconds put together and Bayern Munich were taking multiple shots and just really really attacking our, our penalty area once we were in the lead and I must say that uh, Berger was excellent made some really good mm. really good uh, clearances and saves so and and there was a there was a clearance off the line by Magdalena Eriksson who was again really she was excellent in defense um yeah but i thought that it was the most the most heartwarming thing to see in this game was Fran Kirby putting in an absolutely sensational performance uh, i mean she's was, like our messi isn't she i mean yeah, she maybe that's a bit of a of exaggeration because Messi is like the best player in the world, one could say. I know Frank Kirby isn't the best player in the world right now, uh, but she's she's up there. You know, I, I I'm not gonna lie. I, I didn't yeah. watch the game. I watched the highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this 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 women's team, it's it was just a very complete performance. And I love Emma Hayes. Oh my yeah. God, she is so real. She is so down to earth. And uh, you know. I really can't wait when, until the day comes that, you know, Chelsea will inevitably sack their manager and then maybe she'd be able to take on the men's team because she's that good. Um, as controversial as that might sound for me, uh, some people around the world still today. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, this team just, the team spirit is something that you can compare in both the men's and the women's team. It's just so high. They seem like just such a cohesive unit. They everyone plays for each other. Everyone supports each other. And that final goal from Perro Harder, mm-hmm. I mean, even Didier Drogba said that yeah. kind of mirrored his goal in the Champions League final. <laughs> yeah, this was I saw the semi-final. That. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, it was that important. I mean, that's what brought Chelsea through to the next round. And I was very, very happy for them. I mean they work the socks off. Uh, they might still come away with the league, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, if, you know, Man City women, I think they're not the ones in the driving seat. Is still Chelsea, uh, yeah. two points ahead. Yeah. If they win the next game, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just, no matter which team you support, and you should yeah. be, as a Chelsea fan, you should support every Chelsea team available. Yep. Um, it's been a great week. I mean, uh, you will still tell us about the under-23s, but um, it's a great time to be a Chelsea fan. Yeah, it really is. Uh, <laughs> and I must say, that was that, that didn't immediately come to mind when uh, Pernil Harder kind of stroked that really nice ball in uh, yeah. with, with, with a really well-directed header. But then later when I saw... And I saw the likeness to Drogba. I was like, hmm. <laughs> Especially, <laughs> uh, you know, given the fact that it was against Bayern Munich. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. What a, yeah. that was a that was a, that was a great that was a great call. And I, I really I really loved the fact that uh, Emma Hayes brought on Erin Cuthbert late on, and then Erin Cuthbert was uh, was really important in the last Fran Kirby goal. She showed some. She showed some insane composure uh, once as you breaking away to actually have the awareness to lay it off to Frank Kirby, who was uh, who was in space. So that was yeah, that was that was an excellent moment really. Uh, and yeah, Emma Hayes is just she's a legend. I think everyone should go watch her interview post match. Oh yeah, she, she's just uh, she she's just very honest and she kind of. Uh, <laughs> Where's where's her heart, honestly, when she's talking at times? Uh, for example, just after the first leg as well, when she talked about how glad she was that the game was over. But yeah, uh, I think I was just yeah, I was just very very proud to be a Chelsea fan, and you know, especially with with, with Kirby scoring, um, she's she's been through a lot in her oh, career yeah. lately, and hasn't. I think she would have been. Well, in an even better place if she hadn't had the the problems that she has over the last year and a half, I think. But just to just to walk herself back into this position and 
be doing this is i think a testament to the fact that she is a huge player and a huge character and i have the utmost respect for um for Fran Kirby and Emma Hayes and mm. uh, very uh, uh, an excellent job for the Chelsea women who are i i think honestly Emma Hayes is a legend of the game um she could she's she's done incredible things with this Chelsea side so i am yeah. very proud of the fact that all our teams are doing that well and um just moving on to the Premier League 2 since it has officially Chelsea's Premier League 2 season has officially ended as of one hour ago well one and a half hours ago um and i i watched their last game which was against blackburn rovers today and well chelsea have finished second to manchester city manchester city have unfortunately been way too good um as we speak they're winning 6-1 against tottenham and tottenham are the third place team so man city have just come across a freakishly good group this season Uh, with players like Liam Delap, who is definitely going to be one of the best strikers in football in a while, um, I think Chelsea uh, is is being a strange season because they've been very stop start, and I think Chelsea in general their group has been a little transitionary because some players have gone out on loan, and their the age group is still kind of kind of establishing themselves at that level. But then I think there are a lot of exciting players that we should be aware about in the 23s so in defense just start out i think savier buyamba uh, he was out for a long time and his uh, transfer from barcelona was well publicized uh, a dutch uh, youth international he was at la masia and then his contract expired and we took him on he's um he's a he's a ball playing center back with excellent size and composure uh defensively dominant at this level passing is excellent um i think he's one with a very big future and i think um a lot of people were excited without having seen him actually play outside of youtube compilations but now that you know there is now that there's you know evidence of full games out there with premier league to chelsea i think i am very excited by zavier mbuyama i was just kind of holding my judgment until mm. i actually watched him but then he he has genuinely looked very good he's fit the hype uh and i'm quite excited about him but then in the same vein i also want to say that if we're going to be that excited about buyamba we should also be very hyped for levi colwell who is a left footed center back uh 2002 born uh so going to turn 19 soon i think he is well I, he's a center back that's ex- he just excites me a lot more than other center backs have of that age in recent times like i got the same feeling watching him with that i got when i was watching um defenders like tomori and kohi right just i could watch a game just to watch levi colwell play for example and i got the same mm. feeling today when i watched him he was just he's incredibly composed on the ball and he's got he's got crazy ability on it honestly cuz just today he yeah. played he played two insane switches um from literally diamet i mean well parallelly opposite ends of the pitch just traverse the whole breadth of the field um it was amazing i think he's and the fact that he's a left footed center back as well is going to mean that he's going to be a very precious commodity when he um eventually goes out on loan um to to go get some senior experience so from whatever i've watched of him in the EFL trophy and Premier League too i think Levi Colwell has a very 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 big future ahead of him and we should be quite excited and think of him in the same in the same uh, breath as Kohi and Tomori who came before him and then in in midfield there's there's Lewis Pate who has uh, i think been involved with the first team a couple of times when Lampard was around and honestly again it's like imagine Billy Gilmour but then with a lot more tenacity in midfield uh, Lewis Pate is pretty diminutive he's a short guy but i think he's very intense uh he's got a lot of a lot of tempo to his game in and out of possession his passing his range of passing is quite simply excellent and i think even though he's quite short um kind of small i think he could adapt to senior football easily enough so if he went on loan to league 1 next season for example or beta sarnam i think he'd absolutely boss it in the right team so lewis pate is another one to be very excited about he's he's a he's a special talent um 
and I, I'm not I'm not just saying that because there are players on this team whom I'd watch and I think that okay maybe they're not as good as the guys that have come before them but everyone that I'm mentioning right now which is are genuinely very exciting so you've got you've got Lewis Pate in midfield and Henry Lawrence um, another one who can play wing back left wing back right wing back left back right back you put him anywhere midfield in attack he can play literally every position probably he can do wide centre back as well so I think he's another one who's definitely going to head out on loan in the summer. Uh, Henry Lawrence is also slightly older than the rest because he's a 2001 and he's going to turn 20 in September. Um, and Henry Lawrence has come, he's, he's an excellent technical player and he's uh, physically decently built as well. So I think he's just generally in a good place to go out and play senior football right now. Uh, I would definitely take him in a lot of League One teams at this very moment. There's him, mm. and usually when we, when we talk about Andy Lawrence, we also talk about Tino Livramento, um, who is on the right-hand side of our team, usually playing right wing back. Uh, Tino Livramento is a very direct, technical, creative right wing back, and generally a terror for any opposition defense because he could just run at defenses for days. And it's usually, you know, the combination of Lewis Bate playing a long diagonal out to Livramento hurts teams a lot. So Livramento uh, is another one who, who, who I'd expect to have a lot of interest uh, in the summer and actually go out on loan. Um, and um, about, apart from these guys, you've got uh, someone like Harvey Vale. Harvey Vale actually made his pre-season debut for Chelsea uh, this season. If you remember, Jimmy, he he, mm. he he played in our very first game. He was only 17 at the time, I think, or 16. Um, and I think that was quite rare for someone that that young to actually play in a Chelsea game, even if it was uh, even if it was under Lampard. And in preseason, he was 16 when he played for us in preseason. Um, and I thought that was quite rare. So this was one of his best games for for the Premier League two side. He got a hat trick of assists, scored a goal. Um, he's a he's a creative attacking midfielder who's been playing out wide but can do uh, his best actions centrally as well. Uh, so that's that's one who's slightly younger than the rest. But yeah, Javi Vale is very exciting. And I guess the last one that I'll mention now, because, well, there are more, but then uh, just so that the listeners don't get bored of listening to my voice over and over again, the last one that I'll name is Dujon Sterling. He's not... Oh my he's, God, yeah. that's a very, very old name. You know, that's he seems a, like yeah. he's been about for ages. That's a throwback, isn't it? Uh, he's yeah, he's 21, so he's still young. So the thing is, what happened with Dujon Sterling was he was very highly rated. He made a couple of appearances under Antonio Conte, if you remember, 16, 17, 17, 18. He was usually there on the bench for all the cup games and ended up making a couple of appearances. He didn't really do much when he played for Chelsea because he didn't really have time. But he went on his first loan to Coventry in 2018, 19, and he did excellently. Generally had an a really good season in League One in 18-19, and then went to Wigan, uh, next step in the championship in 19-20, played a few games. He was doing well, but then he got injured at the back, at, at the start of 2020. And as we know, that's when COVID hit. COVID hit in March, and uh, Dijon Sterling actually suffered a bad injury at the time. So when he was undergoing his rehab for that, he came down with an illness as well which kept him out of action for a very long time, near almost a whole year, pretty much a whole year, to be honest. Um, so I think he's just gone through some difficult times um, mentally and physically over the last 12 to 14 months. And I think he deserves a mention for that reason because he has come back and he is looking very good in the in, at Premier League 2 level. They started out by playing him as a centre-back, uh, in a back three, in a back two as well. Um, and more recently, he's been going back to his natural right wing-back position, including today's game. Uh, but I think Dijon Sterling is slowly returning to his best and retaining the explosiveness and uh, the weight of pass that I really loved from him when I was watching him for Chelsea and for Coventry as well. So I think, and, and I would highly recommend anyone listening to this to watch Chelsea's YouTube video on Dujon Sterling. They've done one with Dujon and some kids um, who went to Accrington Stanley as well, Tariq Uwakwe, Baxter, John Russell. Chelsea have, a, Chelsea have a whole series where they go and talk to and follow players who were not on loan 
um, definitely worth a watch. And they did one on Dujan Sterling as well, and that's where he talked about his um, his off-field issues. So I think it's usually commendable for him to have come back and work himself back into a position where I think he's ready to go back and have a good season in League One or the Championship now. So I still expect good things from Dujan, and he's looked very good. So he's the last one I'd be mentioning. And that's it for the Premier League too. Um, hopefully, um, a lot of these guys that I mentioned are probably going to go on loan next season. So there's a good chance that the makeup of the side is going to look quite different um, come September. So just thought I'd take the chance to talk about the team while they're together. And, well, without much further ado, Jimmy, I guess we can look ahead to our next game against Manchester City. And we will do that after another short break. Welcome back. Uh, was our final break for today's episode. We've spoken about a lot of things, happy things. Very, very happy things that, as a Chelsea fan, we, let's be completely honest, <laughs> wouldn't have expected in January. It's been phenomenal, and be that as it may, we nevertheless have some very, very, very difficult and, dare Sorry. I say, it's quite a run, finalesque okay. yeah. games ahead of us, exactly. It's quite the run, and as happy as we are right now, it could all go to <clears throat> if things go wrong. <laughs> you know, it, it, we're not out of the woods yet people and that should be kept in mind because if we lose both finals we lose two or you know two games and draw another we could end this season with no silverware and outside the top four it's thoroughly possible you never know because of the quality that we're still facing in this year but you know let's I know we we have to disregard the the two actual finals we have, but yeah, you know Manchester City. It's the dress rehearsal, as many have been saying. It is a very vital game. We only have one more game, which on paper we should be winning, and that's against um, Aston Villa on the final day. And you'd hope that we'd be able to secure Champions League football before then. Now, West Ham play against Everton this this weekend I think on Monday if they draw or lose a draw would be the best and we win against Manchester City as as difficult as that might be we can run away with this you know we 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 can Arsenal's in tatters Leicester City's beatable even though it's a very tough ask we need to if if we come away with any points this Sunday, uh, this Saturday, that is a win. A draw, fine. We're talking against the best team in the league, if not the world, right now. A draw away to them would be already great. Let's not kid ourselves. Hmm. And if there's anyone who's capable of grinding that result out, it's too cool. Yeah. So let's be optimistic, cautiously optimistic. Um, Ram. Yeah. What do you expect how Chelsea will approach this game? What 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 do you think Thomas Tuchel will resort to tactically speaking here? Yeah, I, th- I think it might be similar to Real Madrid, to be honest. Okay. Because um, I think City, being City, um. It kind of opens up the possibility for us to play this way as well because I remember when we played City last time. Um, well, it's a tough one, you know, because when we played City last time, we did have a healthy share of the ball and we played very well. Yeah. It's just, I'm not sure how exactly he wants to manage it because our players are going to be quite knackered after the last two yeah. games. And especially says Aspliquetta, eh? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even despite looking as if he was half dead with one foot in the grave, he yeah. nevertheless put in a great last few minutes. But I mean, surely he, there have to be, there's got to be rotation, right? There will be rotation. I think we'll see these James come in, we'll see Pulisic come in for sure. Um, I'm hoping Abraham will play, but you know, at this point, Don't I feel like, breath. yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like Tuchel just won't do it now. 
um in 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 midfield uh i'm honestly worried about uh worried about midfield options at the moment but i'm i'm just guessing there have to be changes somewhere maybe zuma will come in um mm. in defense uh so there will be rotation it's just a question of how much are we how much are we really gonna uh, i don't know express ourselves in the style of play are we yeah. just going to go for the kind of safer approach where you let them have the ball and you just hit them on transition like we did this time because you've got Pulisic who's perfect for that you could have Ziyech who is great at enabling that sort of game and honestly I'm going to say it would be perfect to have Tammy Abraham playing striker in such a game but you know whatever I'm you sure because I mean look let's let's forget about this no only, only as Abraham. an alternative I'm saying as an alternative yeah. to Warner because okay. he's been playing every game as compared to Giroud basically yeah but the uh, thing is yeah. there's been a lot of talk about you know oh, should Werner start people were criticizing Tuchel before the game against Real Madrid i mean he was proved right he's going but to need i mean a if rest at some point isn't he well you know he seems as if he doesn't you know Timo mm. Werner you know there's a lot of things that Timo Werner doesn't excel at like finishing you know that was obvious from the start people would let themselves be blinded from those stats last year without looking at how many chances he squandered. But there's one thing that Timo Werner can do all the time. He's got stamina. The guy will run for days. It doesn't matter. He, if there's any player in this team that doesn't need a rest, in my opinion, then it's Timo Werner. And he showed against City, if I'm not mistaken, Ram, that he can run in behind. You know, this is a team that will come at us. They, they will take the game to us. Um, and... If there's one player who can pounce on that, then it's Team Werner. And I, I think it's a great shout from you when you're talking about um, Hakim Ziyech because yeah. he can put in those balls. He's He's been playing quite well recently. Yeah. So, um, I mean, with all the love I have for Tammy Abraham, I mean, first of all, he's not going to play anyway. <laughs> Second of all, Team Werner, this is the game that you want to play Team Werner. You know, I'd, I'd rather have Team, uh, Tammy Abraham play against Leicester, for example, but... This they are going to be open. I mean, they have great defenders, but they're going to be more open. They're going to give us more space than other teams uh, have done, and that's why you need Team Werner, don't you think? That ball over the top, he yeah. can do it. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, I just had the I just had the fitness aspect in mind. You know, given we have we have uh, big things at stake to come now. That's true. Um, and also, where I think we'll end up making top four now because uh, mm. where th- we have we have the cushion of one loss um, out of four games because our goal difference is much higher than West Ham's. Right. And our form has been better than West Ham's. But then, yeah, you're, you're right. We do have a very difficult run of fixtures to end the season. So yeah, just for the management point of view, uh, I thought that. If we kind of don't win the game against City, um, by, and, and we don't play Warner, then that might actually put us in a better position in the long term. Given we have Leicester, double header, and Arsenal and Villa coming up after that, so yeah, yeah, that's what I had in mind. But definitely not tactically. It makes complete sense for Warner to play the game, to be honest, because uh, it's just yeah, it's just him doing what he's best off really. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of expecting. I'm kind of expecting a generally risk-averse game uh, for both sides, to be honest. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not expecting it to be a great game of football because I quite enjoyed... Um, well, I, I didn't enjoy it, but then I enjoyed the fact that we won the last game. So, you know, if we if we end up playing this game and we lose, it could end up feeling quite bad. But anyway, um, I, think, I think that's how I expect the game to go. Um, I think I'd take a draw at this point. I'd very much take a draw. Uh, it would be a very solid point in the context of things. Mm. And, well, I think we could keep the maintain the gap between us and West Ham in any case in through, throughout the remaining fixtures. Um, do, you, do, do you think we might actually sneak a win? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? It's quite difficult. I mean... I'd say yes. I, I say yes because I think that we have the 
potential to beat anyone right now. And if it's, uh, I think it's going to be easier to beat them in the Premier League uh, than it will be in a Champions League final because they are going to be absolutely pumped. They feel maybe as if they've already won this. And I don't think that they will, um, maybe in the back of their heads, because this team's got a great mentality, this City team. Uh, has to be said. So they can win the title this weekend if they win against us. So that is, of course, oh, yeah. incentive for, for them as well. I completely yeah, forgot about so that. So <laughs> that is, you know, it's, yeah. I think this is incredibly difficult to, uh, to call. The only thing that I will say uh, for everyone listening here, if we were to lose, then expect Thomas Tuchel to learn from it. And maybe that wouldn't be that bad ahead of the Champions League final because he will know exactly how we have to set up then. Having said that, I'd, obviously I don't want us to lose and I'm hoping that we can grind that result in any way. And as you already said, Ram, and I already implied before, a draw will be fine here. You know, Let's not go overboard. Let's not be big-headed and say, yeah, we'll beat City. Obviously, my heart says I want us to beat them, but their heads... <laughs> you know he's saying be rational here so if we get a draw brilliant if if Everton and West Ham also um, draw or at worst Everton win because I don't think they can catch up on us anyway then that'd be great you know then we'd still be with a draw of four points ahead of them and we'd also be four points ahead of West Ham if I'm not mistaken and we'd have the, mo- the toughest Premier League game that we still have ahead of us, done. You know, we still have Aston Villa. Arsenal are, as said, and Tadders, you know, we play them at home. Theoretically, if there's any time to break this moronic Arsenal curse we've had of late, um, apart from Baku, ha-ha, <laughs> then it's now, right? So, yeah. That's also a game which is winnable. And Leicester City, if we win against them in the final, I could see them top, you know, being toppled and then we can also win against them in, in the league. It's, it's just integral that we don't lose tomorrow. If, as long as we don't lose, everything's fine. Even if we do, we'll learn from it, I hope. But, you know, just not lose. That should be the most important thing ahead and... That, that's my point on it. So if we're going into predictions here, Ram, uh, as you know me, I'll be very careful. And I'll go with a 1-1 one, one draw. One all. Yeah, me too, actually. I was literally just thinking that before you said it. <laughs> so not to sound like a copycat, but one all for me too, to be honest. I think that's our that's our go-to safe game uh, scoreline. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, looking forward to a comfortable lethargically played 1-1 draw. I'd really take that. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose uh, I suppose that's it on this episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast, Jimmy. Uh, even though we've we've got a midweek game to look forward to against Arsenal and Man City, oh, yeah. I just I just can't wait for the two finals that we have going. It, can't, it just, I don't know, it reminds me of the days when I was like, <laughs> how old? Like 12, 13 A young lass. Yeah, <laughs> 12, 13 years old. And we were making the FA Cup final every other year and winning the FA Cup and getting to the latter stages of the Champions, Champions League. And yeah, it just feels like things are, things are, have, I mean, I didn't expect them to. It feels a little random that we're in this position now. Given where we were in uh, February, yeah. no uh, one could. It just have. feels very random, but it feels good, you know. I actually, actually have um, a certain feel-good factor to Chelsea that I haven't always had in the last two or three years. So it's nice. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally on board with that. Totally on board, and um, you know, as as much as we are looking forward to, obviously those two games. I hope we don't lose focus. I don't think Thomas Tuchel will let that happen. But if we put in as good a performance as we did in the cup game and against Real Madrid and against Atletico Madrid and against Liverpool and, and so on, then you know, the list goes on. 
this young team will be able to get something from that game tomorrow. We can only hope so. And then we'll, of course, try and thrash Arsenal. Oh, God. <laughs> Next week's so in, important as well. So it's a great time to, be, a time to be in the Chelsea fan, but also a very, very nervy and, yeah, also exciting time. So the usual Chelsea experience. Everyone, as Rams already said, this concludes our podcast for today. Thank you very much for listening. Uh and for sharing with us gushing about this win, uh, this this very, 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 very beautiful week of football that we've had behind us now. Well, you know, no no rest for the rest of us. We have to continue the way we've been playing, and I hope we will. And we'll be back next week to talk about, hopefully, two important, vital wins for Chelsea in the quest for Champions League football next season. Until then, as always, stay safe. Uh, Wish you all the best of health and keep the blue flag flying high.